Star Wars by the MRC Tech is a Star Wars-focused podcast, bringing you the latest news stories, book, comic, movie reviews, live commentary of the TV and film space, and insightful discussions with the community. Star Wars by MRC Tech delivers fresh Star Wars content to your headspace. Join me on this journey as we travel into the galaxy. Episode 4, everyone, and welcome to Star Wars by the MRC Tech. I am your host, Sean, and we are happy to have you as we travel through the Unknown Regions. We're recording on January 26th and January 27th of 2020, and here is what you can expect for Episode 4. We're going to jump right off in our hyperspace spot and talk about Jedi Fallen Order and the finale of that game, and this is going to be spoiler heavy. We're then going to transition to a breakdown of the Clone Wars trailer. We'll talk about three different news items. We'll cover three episodes of the Resistance Report, and then we'll finish off this episode with a Galaxy's Edge report, the long-awaited Galaxy's Edge report. So without further ado... If you're new to the podcast or you need a reminder, you can support the podcast through donations using PayPal. Support the show so we can maintain equipment and bring even better content to you. Head on over to the new TheMRCTech.com for more information. If you like game streams, come on out and join me as I play through a series of games on Twitch and Facebook. Follow the channels, like the page, join the chat, and have fun. Currently, we're tackling Luigi's Mansion 3, and then I'm going to put it out to a little fan vote to see what games we want to play next. Without further ado, let's get Episode 4 rolling with our hyperspace spot. Ready? Punch it! Holy moly, was Jedi Fallen Order a fantastic entry into Star Wars game lore. First and foremost, I want to give you a couple stats. This game took me 46 hours to complete over a few months, being as I only stream on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays for only a couple hours at a time. I did not extend any hours into this game except for the finale in which I went almost three hours just because I knew I was so close to the end of the game and I really wanted to get at it and just finish this out so I could move on and it was just a wonderful experience top to bottom a plus storytelling between all the things you can sense and all the uh, different lore items and uh, how it connects to the bigger galaxy I just thought the story group did a wonderful job at putting together 
just a cohesive and coherent storyline that, by the way, we have completely, outside of the Inquisitors and spoiler, remember, very spoiler heavy in this uh, mini review of Jedi Fallen Order, uh, Darth Vader makes an appearance, so there's only two things, and you know, Stormtroopers and whatever, but there's only two things that can connect this to the bigger universe, and that's Inquisitors, Lightsabers, Darth Vader, and Stormtroopers, right? And that's four things, so math is, is fun. But we have Cal Kestis. He's a Jedi Padawan that escapes during Order 66. He finds himself on a shipyard. Uh, his friend is falling. He uses the Force to save him, uh, which in turn outs him as a Jedi. Therefore, he's no longer safe and he's on the run. And throughout this whole storyline, it's just a, you know, it's a fast-paced game. Uh, there, there was not a, f a lot of parts in which I was like, wow, this is taking forever. Uh, I did end up playing on the hardest difficulty, and I've, I've explained that before on Grand Jedi Master. I just think if you're going to give me the hardest difficulty, I'm going to do it, even though if it's going to really annoy me. And it sure did. Here's a great stat for you. Over 220-plus deaths. I say 220-plus because I only started counting it like 12 hours after I started the game. And I died a lot in those first 12 hours, just learning the move sets. And I ended up changing the controller scheme because I just couldn't get used to jump and dodge being two different buttons. And for whatever reason, I just did much better. And obviously, you get stronger as the game goes along. You earn these skill points. You can loosely choose where you want to apply those skill points. But you can basically max out everything if you play long enough. Uh, there are some side quests uh, in, in collecting treasures and different skins and different lightsaber parts and I don't really care about that I don't need the hunter I maybe I'll go back and 100% the game but I'm going to do it under guide uh, I'm not going to waste time and uh, you know look high and low for these chests I've got no time to do that in fact the reason why I don't care is because I think the map system in this game is really terrible I think that once you find a chest, it should put a marker on the map so you know where you've been. That would help tremendously in the searching of chests and secrets. Speaking of secrets, there are a ton of them in here. And then basically, uh, you can add a stim pack, you can upgrade your droid, you can upgrade your lightsaber, uh, you can get more health and more force essence, and I, it was a must, a must to find all the secrets, mainly because I needed all the help I could get on the health and force front so I could take on the final boss. I did have to look up like two things when it came to secrets and it was just one of those blink and you miss sort of uh, ledges that you had to jump to through smoke and really you would have only seen it if you were truly, truly looking for it. But hey, hey, you know what? It happens to the best of us. So I will admit that I did look up a few things for secrets. But overall, if you're not looking for secrets and you're not looking for a chess and you're just making a, a speed run of this game i think you could speed run this game pretty damn quickly uh if i think this might be uh, a thing down the line for me on the stream i might attempt to speed run this game from start to finish on like the easiest difficulty you know knowing how hard this game was to start i think i could breeze on through it relatively quickly 
with with only playing one. I only say that because I died a lot in this game, like so much, and you know, and that's fine. And and I didn't really get frustrated. There wasn't a time where I was like, this game is ridiculous. It's unfair. You know, I didn't have that. It was just more like I need to get better with my technique. I need a little bit more patience. It's I literally had to think through every tactical situation because. You know, you may have called a force push for this or a force pull for this or throwing your lightsaber at a certain point or slowing time down, but you really couldn't rely on the force heavily at times just because, you know, you lost it and you needed to, you really needed to rely on tactical strategy and that's the same word twice and that's redundant. But hey, uh, Jedi Fallen Order uh, storyline, uh, you know, he, you basically find out that, uh, the, the second sister, the Inquisitor, uh, is after you. And there, you have a few run-ins, and then you get a run-in with the ninth sister. And the gist of the game is you're trying to find a holocron that has the location of Jedi or of Force-sensitive children. And obviously with, with the Jedi Order being demolished after Order 66, it's up to Cal and Sarah, uh, Sarah Jund, Junda. Uh, former Jedi to find and keep this list safe from Darth Vader because Vader's job is to cut down any Force-sensitive being so there could be no more hope in the galaxy or resistance down the line. So that's the big hook. It's find the holocron before all else. Uh, one thing I did like about the game is the ability to move from planet to planet at will. Uh, there were points in each map that you could not move forward in it until you got a different force power. So for me, I was like, all right, so I'm going to have to revisit this planet. Oh, I got to revisit this planet. Oh, I got to go back to here. So like, I was okay with that. It didn't take a lot to like, remember that I had to go back. And once you had all the force powers, it was like, oh my God, I totally forgot that this whole area existed. And that's where you sort of started cleaning up on the secrets and chests uh, in there. Uh, there was definitely uh, two of my favorite parts in this game outside of the ending. Okay, I won't count the ending because the ending's really good. Uh, I loved Ilum. Ilum is the Crystal Caves. It's a planet that has a Kyber-centric uh, core in which Jedi were sent there to to find and locate the crystal that called out to them, and that's how they would construct their lightsabers. And what's cool about the planet is that it has a wonderful connection to Galaxy's Edge, which I'll connect to later in the pod. And even the crystal looked the same. Like, I bought two Kyber crystals down in uh, down west in California, and the crystal that I saw on screen was the same crystal that I ha I can hold in my hand. So just that continuity right there just makes you again just makes you believe that you can you know have the force and have a lightsaber and, and make it all happen. And it's really wonderful. So I really loved Ilum, although Ilum's fate is sad, as it turns out that Ilum uh, was manufactured by the Empire eventually to the First Order and created Starkiller Base, and we all know what happens to Starkiller Base. At the end of Force Awakens, it gets exploded, and Ilum and all the Kyber crystals that potential Jedi could have gotten is gone. But knowing how planets work and how the Death Star 2 works and the Rise of Skywalker, I imagine that Kyber crystals are randomly flying through space and will make planet fall somewhere down the line in the Star Wars galaxy uh the second place that i really enjoyed exploring was the downed star destroyer no i'm sorry the downed venator class republic cruiser 
from the Clone Wars era. So it was just so cool to sort of uh, be like Rey, uh, climbing through the wreckage of a Star Destroyer and exploring little crevices and caverns and pulling on levers and things still working. And, you know, just a detail. And you, you start to forget how much detail they put into this game because it's so damn realistic. It's, it's awesome. I mean, I highly recommend getting this game. And, you know, you're totally distracted from the front, you know, with being in the, the air and, and sliding down the star. I guess, I guess that's an annoying part of the game is this game is sort of linear. It's like a platformer. Like, there's only one path to go down. There's no deviation from the path. You can't just explore. Breath of the Wild, go wherever you want. You're going to get killed if you don't have the right weapons. Uh, Jedi Fallen Order... You will be stopped because you actually can't make it through an area because you don't have enough force power or uh, you're just going straight down a line and have to make it through obstacles. And by the way, that's okay. So the reason why I bring up the whole platformer is, yes, the maps seem big, but if I had to get from one side of the map to the other side of the map, I could get there in five minutes. You just have to run you know, and know where to turn and know where to do this. And that's where the map kind of stinks because there's multiple levels to the to the platformer and it's sort of hard to, to look at and whatever so it doesn't matter but uh, as I finish up this Jedi Fallen Order review uh, first off uh, debuting on Tuesday January 29th uh, the same day of the pot the same day of this podcast at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on January 29th uh, my 22 minute finale of me playing the game will be on YouTube. So if you actually want to catch the finale and see kind of what the ending is, you're going to want to watch that. 22 minutes is a long time, but I included every single death against the final boss in an abbreviated fashion. And because it's 22 minutes long, you can tell I died quite a bit. I didn't include everything in the finale because, you know, I don't want to I'm going to say spoil the whole thing, but it's definitely like 80% of it will be spoiled for you if you watch it. But I highly recommend watching it. But uh, yeah, that final boss was just awesome. You know, you're, you're battling Trilla. Trilla was a Padawan of Seer. Seer basically threw her under the bus. That's how she became an Inquisitor. So there's all this connection points here. Seer is healing from that uh, decision. Uh, after you beat Trilla, God bless if you can beat Trilla in the first try no way if it's on grand jedi master first off you got to figure out all the move sets there's three stages of a boss and then it changes every single time so you got to figure that out but after you figure that out you know top to bottom vader comes out cuts trilla down right in front of you tries to get you to uh, turn to the dark side there's sort of a mini fight between him and then you're just running from him and it's chaos and things are breaking around you and it's wild and it's just so fast paced and I, I implore you to watch the YouTube video because my initial reactions to everything, I just find them to be so funny. And that's kind of why I love streaming. I love to stream these games because I want to get that reaction on tape. Like we used to have these reactions while playing like Final Fantasy on the original PlayStation, but there was nothing to record us and I wish that we had that back in the day. Like playing Super Mario 64 for the first time and getting that 120th star would have been an awesome moment to record. But hey, we have it now, so we'll use the technology to our fullest. Uh, overall, I really liked each of the characters. 
Uh, you got Grease. I think you got Seer. You got the... Oh, the Night Sister was cool. She was a cool, very cool character. And you got BD-1, the droid BD-1. If LEGO does not make a BD-1 droid, I'm pretty pissed about it. Uh, but I did like Cal Kestis as a character. I have a prediction which will connect to Clone Wars in the next segment, so stay tuned for that. But I highly recommend Jedi Fallen Order on any console. I played it on PC with an Xbox 360 controller. Definitely play it with a controller. It's not keyboard or mouse friendly in my opinion. Uh, but check out Jedi Fallen Order. It was a blast. You can check out some of the past streams on my YouTube channel. Just search for MRC Tech. But this has been Jedi Fallen Order, a review by MRC Tech. I give it a 9.5 out of 10 for storytelling, graphics, movesets, and difficulty. Clone Wars returns February 21st on Disney+. Plus. Truth be told, I was not a Clone Wars fanatic like some are out there. I appreciate the Clone Wars, but when I watched it many, many, many years ago in the lead-up to The Force Awakens, that is a fragmented story from Season 1 through Season like 4. Arcs fly all over the place. Apparently, there's an easier way to watch it. I will consider watching it in the chronological order, but I do not do well when there are different storylines uh, here and different storylines there. But I know that I love the Mandalorian stuff. I know that Ahsoka was, you know, basically driven out of the Jedi Order. And I know that uh, this, you know, this time period is a good way to build relationships between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. So... Uh, let's watch the trailer together. We'll do a little commentary throughout it, and then we'll discuss the Clone Wars trailer for a few moments. Soon, the galaxy will be remade. Okay, we get starting off with the Mandalorian. The Jedi. Obi-Wan and... Uh, and Republic. Oh my gosh. Master Windu. Darth Maul. Die. Cool I little shot. To destroy the Jedi. Great care we must take. Why would anyone walk away from being a Jedi? We were trained to be keepers of the peace. Not soldiers. We clowns. Mixed feelings about the war. Indeed. Without it, we wouldn't exist. All part of the plan. The plan. Everything is about to change.
<clears throat> is wow, an intense trailer. Lots of things happening in that trailer. And again, here's what I'm excited for. I'm excited to see how it connects up to Revenge of the Sith. Are we going to have an intermingling of Revenge of the Sith? So Revenge of the Sith has this weird argument. No one knows if it takes place over like months, years, probably not years, months or like a series of days. Uh, the, the timeline in Revenge of the Sith in comparison to say like The Last Jedi in which you know exactly when it starts and when it ends uh, is you don't really know. So I think that's why the clone, I th you know, George Lucas knew what he was doing. He wanted these time jumps so he could fill in the gaps with other media. Totally makes sense in a business perspective. The final season of The Clone Wars. Actually, I, I can't tell you how the this other season ended. Uh, I think it ends with, like, Yoda f seeing the destruction of uh, the Republic. And that's sort of how it ends. So not, you know, an ending that fit, but how are we going to pick it up? Clearly, Ahsoka has something to do with this season. Uh, I think she starts to lead a cohort of clone troopers maybe against the republic uh what's interesting is that we know where ahsoka gets to when it comes to rebels because she and she's fulcrum right she's the person kind of giving intel into the empire so that takes place five years before a new hope which means that would be 15 years after revenge of the sith so in this season she's younger what has she been doing? Why is her lightsabers blue? She had green lightsabers. She's got white lightsabers and rebels. How many different color lightsabers are she is she going to have? We have to, uh, Darth Maul is here, obviously with his mechanical legs, and we know in Rebels that he's older and finally gets bested by Obi Wan in like this cool twin sons episode. Uh, you know we have you know the Jedi. You know the Jedi are still at their peak, right? We saw Order 66 happen in Revenge of the Sith, right? So are we going to see Order 66 happen in the Clone Wars? Are we going to see the aftermath of Order 66? Are we going to see Vader at the end of this? Are we going to see Luke and Leia at the end of the Clone Wars? Or will it lead up to a point in Revenge of the Sith and where Revenge of the Sith then just takes over and that's it? I don't know, but I'm, I can tell you I'm very interested in what's going down. I can tell you... That I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, Mace Windu, Yoda, uh, Anakin Skywalker, Ahsoka, you know, uh, Commander Cody, Rex, and, and all the, the characters that we grew up for five, six seasons on, and we're back for the final season. And I'm hoping that they do weekly like they've been doing. I do not really want to binge this. I want to be able to dissect it, dissect it, and... Uh, you know, for me, I'm just going to let it let it wash over me. So hopefully you'll be sticking with me for the Clone Wars segment starting in February 21st. We're less, less than a month away from that. What do you think of the Clone Wars? Are you a follower or are you kind of just entertained by it like I am? Let me know in the comments. Uh, let me know by a DM. That would be cool. Maybe we can chat about it. If you know more than I do about the Clone Wars, I'm more than happy to open up the podcast to you. So just let me know about it. And that has been little bit of a Clone Wars trailer and preview to the new season, and maybe we'll get a few more trailers leading up to February 21st. Moving on in our adventure in Episode 4 of Star Wars by the MRC Tech, 
We're going to cover three different news articles concerning Star Wars's future. I think it's important that we are up on the news as best as we can. And if you remember from last week's rumor report and roundup that the Obi-Wan Kenobi series was canceled, well, there's a little bit of light in that regard. And apparently we have rewrites happening. The show is looking for a new writer, but Ewan McGregor himself clarified uh, via some comments during an interview uh, at an appearance somewhere. So this is courtesy of Fanthatracks.com, written by Brian Cameron. Ewan McGregor has confirmed that there is a delay to the production of the Obi-Wan Kenobi Disney Plus show, with shooting pushed to next year following the news that show's writer is being replaced, but insists the release will remain the same. And quote, I think we start shooting early next year as opposed to summer this year. Ewan McGregor, who will reprise his role of Obi-Wan Kenobi in the series, told Variety at the Birds of Prey fan event in Hollywood and Highland. I think the scripts are great. They're in really good shape. They want them to be better. I think we keep our same air date. It's all good. Sources told Variety just a couple hours before the event that Disney Plus and Lucasfilm were looking for new writers following the departure of scribe Hussein Amini. McGregor insisted the upheaval is as dramatic as fans may think. I didn't realize until we got here tonight and everybody's going, oh my god, McGregor said, but it's not really as dramatic as it might seem. So it looks like that McGregor, Obi-Wan Kenobi himself, is not concerned or Lucasfilm and Disney told him to be unconcerned about it, but only time will tell if everything is going down. As I said last week, the show is not a show yet, so I'm not going to be concerned about rewrites. I'm not going to be concerned about delays until the show is actually out, and then we can be concerned about them. So that is news article number one, uh, courtesy of Fanta Tracks. Something that I've seen floating around in the space area of Twitter and Facebook and all the other Star Wars uh, sites that I peruse is that, yes, we have the original Star Wars 9 script has been leaked and that they have been confirmed by Colin Trevorrow. As you know, Trevorrow was removed because of creative differences and... I just want to, I guess we just need to go over it. Uh, I can tell you right now, I don't hold any of this on a high pedestal. I think some of the ideas are really good, and I think some of the ideas are really bad. And guess what? I thought some of the things in The Rise of Skywalker were really good, and I thought some of the things in The Rise of Skywalker were really bad. So guess what? It's the vision of the writer and the director's job to make it happen. And for whatever reason, this version of episode nine just didn't gel with the overall vision of the Disney company. And that can happen sometimes, but let's get to it. Written by Chris Agar on January 24th, former star Wars nine director, Colin Trevorrow confirms recent leaks about his version of the film called duel of the fates are true. Colin Trevorrow confirms the star Wars nine original script leaks while J.J. Abrams' The Rise of Skywalker has its fair share of supporters, its mixed reception led to an increased interest in what the movie could have been when Chavaro was still on board as director. Earlier this month, details about his script, which was called Duel of the Fates, made their way online, painting a very different picture when compared to Rise of Skywalker. 
The general feeling is Duel of the Fates was a more proper Last Jedi sequel, and some believe it would have been a better movie than Rise of Skywalker. So first off, I like the title of Duel of the Fates. Absolutely love the title. Reading about what Trevorrow had in mind was fascinating enough, but more recently fans got an opportunity to see what his Duel of the Fates could have looked like with concept art of scenes such as Kylo Ren battling his Darth Vader hallucination. That would have been cool. Ray wielding a double-bladed lightsaber, that would have been cool, and the epic battle of Coruscant, which would have been cool, but I don't know if it was necessary. At the time, it was unknown if the images were actually from Duel of the Fates development, but now Trevorrow has gone ahead and confirmed that, indeed, they are. Responding to a fan's question on Twitter, Trevorrow said the artwork making the rounds online is from his Star Wars 9, though he did clarify that R2-D2 didn't die during the Battle of Coruscant. The fan-favorite astromech was only severely damaged. Take a look at his post, and uh, there's some pretty, pretty cool little imagery, especially the one with Princess Leia kneeling down in her all-white A New Hope garb, speaking to BB-8. I think that's pretty cool. It's refreshing to see Trevorrow be open and transparent about Star Wars 9. He even uses a Duel of the Fates title here, giving the leaks definitive legitimacy. The director has been quick to debunk reports and speculation regarding his version of the film before. Uh, so audience know he's a trustworthy source on the subject. Trevorrow publicly discussing Duel of the Fates evokes Zack Snyder continuing to share images of Justice League Snyder Cut. Obviously, Star Wars 9 and Justice League isn't entirely an apples-to-apples -apples comparison, but there are some notable parallels between the two projects, and in both instances, viewers are left wondering if the scrapped version would have been better than what was officially re released. Trevorrow is probably limited what he can talk about regarding Duel of the Fates, so it'll be interesting to see if anything else comes out at a later date. While the director does come out as a winner in all of this, it frankly wouldn't do him or anyone else associated with Star Wars 9. Much good to keep harping on the past, and missing out on Duel of the Fates didn't get Trevorrow's career back much as he quickly picked up the Jurassic World 3 gig afterwards. He'll be focusing on that for the foreseeable future, but Star Wars fans would love to learn more about what happened on Duel of the Fates. I know one of the things that may have happened would have been like the stealing of a Star Destroyer in the opening uh, scene, which would have been awesome. Uh, this also happened in the comics, though, so I've seen it before, but it would have been really cool to see it on scene there. So some of the things uh, that may have happened in Duel of the Fates is Rose and Finn having an important mission, so Rose would have had more of a role. Uh, Rey would not have had the Palpatine lineage. She would have been a no one, a Solaro, apparently, and it, we would have found out that Kylo Ren killed her parents. That, actually, I would have been into, because that just would have been awesome. Rey would have trained the next generation of Jedi, including Broom Boy down the line, so that's kind of cool, but actually I don't really like it. I think that's pretty icky, and there would have been a lot of time between Last Jedi and Duel of the Fates. Uh, so, you know, again, we can see anything we want to see when it comes to Star Wars 9. I am still on the, you know, I liked Star Wars 9. I like The Rise of Skywalker. I think it's a good Star Wars movie. I don't think it's a great movie. It's, you know, it's not... A, a Golden Globe Oscar nominated movie but you know for me I was highly entertained and really that's all that matters so hopefully you can get over that uh, fact of you know Trevorrow was removed from the project and you know they just had a different vision and uh, they just need to move on from the Skywalker saga and that's all I got to say about it finally just a short and quick bonus segment and news article about Adam Driver's uh, SNL, I think, third time hosting on Saturday 
January 25th. And he, uh, from what I hear, he had a, just such a wonderful show. And I was able to watch the latest Undercover Boss clip. And uh, I recorded my reaction. So enjoy that here. And that has been your news update for Episode 4. Bonus segment in Episode 4. Not in the agenda. Just adding it. Undercover Boss, where are they now? Saturday Night Live with Adam Driver. I just started watching a bit of it. I need to record my reactions because I was just belly laughing through the first 30 seconds and here we go five years ago supreme leader of the first order kylo ren went undercover in his organization oh and God. pledged to change his company for the better tonight we'll find out if he kept his promise in an <laughs> undercover boss special where are they now oh kylo God. ren i'll say it i haven't been the best boss lately i've been a little distracted by some personal drama Drama is that. right. Days after appearing on our show, Kylo killed his dad, cut his mentor in half, <laughs> fired upon his mother's spacecraft, and is now obsessed with finding a young Jedi named Rey. So Kylo's going back undercover to get things on track, but this time as Randy, an entry-level intern. All right, Randy. Time to get a fresh perspective. Let's intern. <laughs> He put it on the wrong side. <laughs> Hidden cameras were placed all over the ship, and no one knows Randy is really Kylo Ren. Hey, guys, I'm Randy, the new intern. Okay, Boomer. Right? Okay, Boomer. <laughs> all right. So, hey, what do you guys think? When Kylo Ren offers Ray his hand for the second time, do you think she'll take it? Who cares? I do. <laughs> I do. Okay. So I've learned all the interns here do all the bitch work. Clerical stuff, food and drink orders, droid wrangling. Stop moving. <laughs> you know who's in charge of fuel invoices? Oh yeah, I think you're looking for these nuts. <laughs> oh, there it is. Said no one. Everyone's been really nice so far. Some more than others. The fleet is amassing on Exegol. One blue star milk. That's mine, with Sarlacc cream, yes? Oh. I'll go back. Don't go back. Straws? Great. We'll just suck it out of the little hole in the top. Thank you, Randy. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye now. Goodbye. Oh, my God. Are you okay? That new intern's Kylo Ren, right? Road <laughs> starship tray B. I just did that. It thinks the tray is empty. <laughs> He broke another printer. And did you hear he killed some admiral? Earlier he came up to me and was like so in my face. He aggressed me. He aggressed me. That night, Kylo is invited to Friday fun day drinks in the intern office. What's wrong? Oh, nothing. I, I applied to be a type fighter pilot and the director, he was like, the only way for a woman to fly cockpit is a direct order from Kylo Ren. Like that'll ever happen. Culture here needs to change. Everybody deserves a shot. If I can be a small part of that change, I will. Congratulations. I'm so happy right now. Maybe one of these days you'll be as good a pilot as Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren? <laughs> no, I want to fly like Luke Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> and now you'll die like him too. <laughs> <laughs> well, how'd it go? I'd say pretty good. 
worked while I made four new friends and only killed one of them. <laughs> I'd say that's a pretty good start. Oh my god. That was outstanding. I can't, oh my god. I can't believe how funny that was. Adam Driver, Kylo Ren, Ben Solo. The one of the best Star Wars characters ever created. You heard it here first. Facts. This is a bonus segment for episode four. As part of your resistance report, we're going to cover the next few episodes of Star Wars Resistance Season 2. Episodes 13, 14, and 15 in this episode of Star Wars by MRC Tech. Just a little bit of a recap in episode 12. Kaz and Sonara and Yeager go to a planet to find a resistance spy, and oh no, bounty hunters are there to capture them. The First Order is called, and Captain Doza might have to jump to hyperspace to get away, and it leaves us with a cliffhanger. So, we just watched episode 13, and it is called Breakout, and it opens up with Yeager and Sonara being captured. Uh, the bounty hunter calls for Pyre. He wants to get paid, and he's going after Kaz and uh, the, the resistance spy. I'm not sure his name. You can definitely tell that the town is scared as the First Order makes their landing, and they start going on their patrols. It reminds me a lot of a lot of uh, in K Kajimi in the Rise of Skywalker. Uh, they go back to Captain Doza, and they're trying to formulate a plan, but they're running out of time, and they might have to jump to hyperspace. It cuts to CB, the droid, being tortured for information. It cuts to Sonara being tortured for information. It's pretty heavy. It's pretty dark at this time. Uh, Kaz, uh, Kaz and the spy, they're hiding. They're trying to skulk about. They're figuring out a plan. And Kaz, uh, you know, figures out that maybe they'll dress up as stormtroopers. Meanwhile, the bounty hunter is sort of... Uh, makes his way to Kaz's ship, the little transport ship, and tries to send a signal to the Colossus. Yeager is then being tortured, uh, and then uh, we have uh, back to the bounty hunter, and he sends that signal, and there's an answer, but Captain Doza cuts the signal off, but too late, the First Order finds them, and the Colossus has to make a decision. As uh, Kaz and the spy are making their way back to the transports, they're sort of having conversations with each other, which is sort of weird because aren't the helmets all linked? So I'm just a little confused by that. Uh, the Colossus jumps to hyperspace and leaves Kaz and the spy on the planet to fend for themselves. And the First Order was like scrambling their pilots and wanting to send an ion shot to them and they jump and my thoughts there are like, didn't they know that they were going to jump to hyperspace? Like, shouldn't they have moved a little bit faster? I don't know. Uh, Kaz and the Resistance Spy stun Pyre through a uh, kind of a coincidence. CB, this is like the, the final like six to eight minutes of this episode is all about CB. CB with a boss move by he's being a, he or she I think it's a she being electrocuted by a stormtrooper and shoots out his little harpoon into the back of the stormtrooper and as a result electrocutes the stormtrooper uh, she then escapes drops down 
and then explodes all the panels and shuts out all the lights. She, she knocks out uh, one of the captains, I think, of the First Order. The Kaz and the Spy make it to the Yeager and Sonara. They, they help them escape. The bounty hunter attacks them on their ship, the transport, when they come out. So they jump off the ship. We find that CB is then remotely controlling and flying the ship, then runs into the bounty hunter, knocks him out cold, and it's just like a really pretty awesome sort of thing. Uh, as they uh, fly away, three TIE fighters are going after them. Kaz says to hold on. So everybody straps in, and even CB sort of uses her little claw and holds on to the seat. They're trying to calculate a jump to hyperspace, but they're being tailed by TIE fighters, and out of nowhere, the aces come to their rescue, and they fire on the TIE fighters, and they blow up the three. But as they break atmosphere, three squadrons of TIE fighters are coming at them, and out of nowhere, the Colossus comes out of hyperspace, and all nine TIE Fighters runs right into the hull and they explode. The First Order Star Destroyer is firing on the Colossus, but the shields are holding the aces and the transport with all parties safely land and they jump to hyperspace. And then the Resistance Spy, as the episode is calming down, invites Kaz to come back with him to the Resistance Base and Kaz, for the moment, declines because he wants to stay with his Colossus family. And that is episode 13, titled Breakout. In my opinion, I thought this was a very good episode. Uh, it had a lot of layers to it. First Order's involved. We have chase scenes. We got bounty hunters. We got excellent, excellent swerve action with uh, him, them hiding in Stormtrooper gear. With the Colossus coming out of nowhere overall. Uh, I'd give it a 9 out of 10 on the resistance scale. So well done, and on to episode 14. Chapter 14, titled The Mutiny, is a one-off episode that does not connect to the bigger storyline in Star Wars Season 2, Resistance. But nevertheless, usually I am not in the mood to watch a one-off episode, but... This one had some special sauce to it, so let's go over the gist. Captain Kragen and the pirates are wanting to mutiny and take over the Colossus, so they meet a weapons dealer, and this weapons dealer is named Sidon Orthado. He is of the Crimson Corsair. A uh, little background on the Crimson Corsair. I believe he was in a book of villains and aliens or something along along those lines and i believe he is seen in maz Kanata's castle in the force awakens the crimson corsair has a uh, few containers of battle droids uh the classic b2 battle droids the same droids we see in attack of the clones and uh revenge of the sith and the same battle droids we see in The Mandalorian. So I like how the Star Wars galaxies are sort of intertwining and trying to, you know, make these nice connections. And overall, Captain Kragen's idea is to take over the Colossus with the battle droids. Uh, the scene cuts, and we get Doza and Sonara speaking. And Sonara is sort of predicting that if you don't give the pirates some leeway, then they're probably going to rebel 
Uh, but uh, Doza sort of ignores her. He ends up coming down to inspect their cargo. But right before Doza gets there, the pirates sort of hang the battle droid cargo outside in space while Kragen gives him like a food supply to trick him into thinking that they didn't have anything illegal. Niku gets a job from Captain Doza while Kaz seems suspicious of this job. Uh, Doza says that this might confirm my suspicions. Uh, Kragen finds out that the B2 droids are very much faulty. And Nico ends up getting down to the pirates. And Kragen has a great idea to sort of ask him to uh, fix the battle droids if he can. And Nico is very familiar with all sorts of droids. And uh, we end up seeing that all the battle droids come out. And there's actually a B1 droid. And this is where the episode gets spicy. Because this B1 droid uses the same exact voice from the Clone Wars and it's actually a really, really cool callback. It's an awesome voice, and I started getting some nice flashbacks to the Clone Wars. And in some of those cases, I really thought the B1 droids were really humanized and dumb. But uh, it was really nice to see the B1 droid back in action here. Kaz and Sonara are chatting in the next scene. They seem to think that there's something going on, and they can't quite figure it out. Uh, Niku is in the process of fixing the droids. He ends up fixing all the battle droids, but he's still working on B1. Meanwhile, Kriegen uh, authorizes uh, an attack on the Colossus. Uh, Kaz and Sonara sneak into the pirate's facility, but they get captured. And Niku gets put into a container, and Kaz and Sonara get put into that same container. Moving on in the storyline, Kriegen and his B-2 battle droids start to take over the Colossus slowly, but surely they're working to the tower. Uh, the B-1 droid uh, with the uh, classic Roger, Roger breaks the uh, three prisoners, Kaz, Sonara, and Niku, out of the brig or the little prison that Kriegen put them in, and it turns out that Niku programmed him to do this, uh, assuming that this would happen. And as uh, Kaz and Sonara, the B-1 droid, and Niku are making their way up to the tower, Kaz is just firing off some wild shots, and this is a pretty funny moment as uh, he missed about you know eight times before he hit the pirate, and Sonara makes a comment going, you know, those uh those sun rings were pretty big and you still missed them and he goes oh, i'm getting better uh as they're climbing up in the lifts there's a cool little echo audio uh trick that they do so when kaz speaks there's a little bit of an echo so i thought that was pretty cool and also reminded me of rogue one when Jin urso and cassian are climbing climb as k2so would say uh, turns out that Niku also programmed the b1 droid to be a commander of the b2s so as Kaz, uh, Niku, Sonara, Captain Doza, Yeager, and D4 are being surrounded by the B2 droids. Niku steps up and commands B1 to uh, settle the B2 droids down. As a result, the B1 droid 
tells him to fall in line, and lo and behold, crisis averted. As Doza, uh, under Doza's recommendation, he says, take these pirates to the brig, but Sonara says, you know what? It might be better if you just let them go, disable their hyperdrive, take their weapons, and consider it a good deal. So that's what Doza does, and he threatens them. If you ever come back here again, we'll have to take care of you once and for all. So the pirates fly away, and then we have a little epilogue with uh, Niku and Kaz. And basically, Kaz finds out that Niku was a spy, and Kaz is a little offended because he's the spy. And Niku says, don't worry, I've learned all I needed to learn about spying from you. All you have to do is act naive and clumsy, and people will believe that you're nobody. And that's a little backhanded compliment to Kaz, and that's sort of how the episode ends. So again, uh, episode 13, titled The Mutiny, gets rid of our pirate friends once and for all, I'm going to assume, as it's starting to close out character arcs. Sonaris is staying on the Colossus, so that's a nice movement for her. Kaz had no movement in this. Niku had very good movement, and I love the B1 battle droids. Captain Doza and Yeager were sort of on the back burner here, and there was a lot of screen time for Kragen and his pirates, and it was nice seeing the Crimson Corsair 2 on screen again. So this has been episode uh, 13 of season 2 of Resist. I'm sorry, not episode 13, but episode 14 of Season 2 of Resistance, titled The Mutiny. And now on to Episode 15. Episode 15 of Resistance Season 2 is called A New World. It opens up with CB and Bucket and Kaz working on the, uh, the fireball. The Colossus then hits turbulence. They're entering planet side and they come upon a planet called Eos and Doza believes that this planet will be a safe planet because is uncertain. The Aces get sent on a recon mission. Kaz has some uncertainties about maybe not wanting to fight the First Order anymore. Maybe they can be safe here. Kaz and Griff team up to uh, recon this little village that seems to have been blasted recently. They find a First Order helmet. In the meantime, Griff is captured. Kaz goes to contact the Colossus, but gets captured himself. Before he gets captured, he finds an old Rebellion control center. And then aliens, uh, this fish-like creatures, capture Kaz. Doza and Yeager are concerned that Kaz and Griff haven't checked in. And Yeager warns Doza of the potential unsafeness of this new planet until all teams have reported in. The Aces return to the hangars without Griff and Kaz. Uh, Kaz is captured. He gets put into a prison. Griff is also captured, and he's actually a pretty funny character. Uh, the aliens come aboard the Colossus, and uh, Niku tries to diplomatically talk to them, and then his buddy, the B-1 droid, ends up being a little too aggressive, and they get attacked, and all the droids, the B-1 and the B-2s, get, uh, I guess, disabled. The aces fall back. Kaz and Griff are taken to see the queen. Kaz speaks to her in, like, a slow tone, like, if, as if she couldn't understand basic. And she said, why are you talking like that? And I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, 
She says, feed them to the Krakabora or whatever it's called, some kind of large creature, because she believes that they are part of the First Order because they have a similar type of looking pyramid ship, which is, you know, the Colossus is like a a vertical uh, Star Destroyer, and a Star Destroyer is horizontal. Kaz gets himself free using CB's uh, smokescreen attack, and he heals a uh, fish alien who was severely hurt during the First Order attack, but she sends him to the Krakabora instead. Meanwhile, the Aces are just trying to survive the attack from the sea-like creatures. They're coming through. Doza sends back security droids, and when all else seems to be uh, falling apart, a horn is sounded, and the Queen, Griff, Kaz, the droids, and uh, other, uh, I guess, uh, first-hand hand of the Queen people, come to the aid of the Aces. The Queen speaks to Doza about their settlement there. She knows that they are a noble tribe. She knows that they will help them medically. And Kaz and Yeager have a moment at the end. Kaz saying, I wish we could just go back to normal life, but I know that the war is coming. And Yeager says, it's coming, yes, but we'll have to face it together. And that is sort of how this episode ends. So my feelings on it are pretty positive. This is a episode that moves the story forward. They obviously have to settle somewhere because they can't just be in space this whole time. They're eventually going to run down on supplies. Uh, I think Kaz's character really evolved in this episode. Um, it's sort of an age-old story of uh, trespassers you know, on local territory, and there's a misunderstanding, and something happens to where they start to understand each other and all that fun stuff. But I think we're going to start to see this ramp up and with only three episodes left of Season 2 of Resistance, we're going to see how this connects to the greater story in the Star Wars galaxy. I'm looking forward to bringing you Episodes 16, 17, and 18 in next week's uh, podcast episode. But this has been your Resistance Report for Episode 4 of Star Wars by the MRC Tech. Hope you enjoyed it. My friends, welcome to Galaxy's Edge, the most interactive experience I've ever had in my lifetime located in Anaheim, California, Disneyland. Galaxy's Edge was such a wonderful experience. As I walked into Disneyland, I just was so eager to get to Galaxy's Edge. There were so many things that I was expecting. Uh, it, it just got great reviews. Uh, it won so many different park accolades and the atmosphere, the detail, the first look at the Falcon, the ships, the shops, building a droid, Oga's Cantina, the people, the new ride, the data pad, the data pad game, building a lightsaber, the time spent there, and the money spent there will be in this Galaxy's Edge report, the roundup, the official review of Galaxy's Edge. But before I get too deep into it, 
I'd like for you to hear my thoughts that I recorded while at Galaxy's Edge. It's about five minutes long. It's got good emotion to it. And I hope you enjoy and we'll catch back with you on the other side as we break down Galaxy's Edge in its entirety. Well, friends, uh, we're broadcasting a pre-recorded message from Galaxy's Edge. And might I say that this is the most expansive, detailed world I have ever been in. Between the life-size ships, to the workers, to the drinks, to the detail work, everywhere you see, there is just something so magical about what this world is. I truly, truly can't believe it. Uh, so far, I've built a droid, and that process was really cool. I'm actually sitting outside of Sabi's workshop, and I'm about to uh, buy some scrap metal, a.k.a. a lightsaber. You're not allowed to say lightsaber around these parts in fear of the First Order. I've met Kylo Ren. I've met Vader. I've met the wonderfully personable Rey. Uh, she was just a, a deer. She was lovely. Uh... There is the spaceport of Galaxy's Edge, and then a little bit away, there is uh, what they call the Old Outpost, and that's where the Rise of Resistance ride is going to be. Uh, please pardon my rambling, but I'm kind of just going off the top of my head. I can tell you, uh, with a little bit of a disappointing review to Smuggler's Run, don't get me wrong, the ride is cool. The interactivity is cool. I rode in three of the six seats. I was a gunner on the first ride. I was a pilot on the second ride and an engineer on the third ride. And uh, piloting is kind of fun. Uh, and it's kind of difficult because the left person is left and right and the right person is up and down. Gunners is the dumbest part of that ride because well, it's not even like a trigger with a joystick and you're aiming it's an auto fire and you just have to jam down on a button it's really stupid uh, engineering actually was pretty cool because you had to maintain the ship shields and you had to you know switch on buttons and and press things at certain times so actually I enjoyed the engineering uh, piece of it um, Oga's Cantina was really rad uh, no food in that cantina, just drinks and some small bar snacks. But I had a few drinks, Jedi Mind Trick, and the Gold Squadron Lager, and I uh, highly recommend both of them. I met some nice people in there. The music was really cool. Uh, I had a Rondo wrap. Uh, that was actually pretty tasty. It was like some sort of foot-long sausage or hot dog wrapped in some kind of meat with coleslaw wrapped in a wrap. It was pretty, pretty tasty and actually very, very, very filling. Um, what was nice is that the, back to the droid depot, I was all set on building a BB-8, well, you know, a, a BB unit, and I was talking to some people online, and they said that they're a little bit wobbly, and you have to take them apart to turn them off, so, lo and behold, I built myself an R unit, uh, and that thing is fantastic. The controls on it is wonderful, and apparently if you carry your droid through galaxy's edge here with it on it will communicate with other droids in their boxes or your bags um i bought myself a resistance hat it's really cool it's a little you know it's very form-fitting um i gotta say the first order apparel is really cool too uh, stormtroopers have been 
monitoring and observing the situation around here. No one has been thrown out yet. Uh, I just saw Kylo Ren walking by and someone challenged him with a lightsaber and he was quickly squashed down. And Disney security was like, no, 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 you ain't, you ain't doing this. Um, uh, waiting in line for Smuggler's Run was actually really interesting. There's a lot of cool stuff to look at. There's a, a game, a data pad on your phone that you can... That, by the way, they call phones here data pads, which is really funny. Uh, but there's things you can do around the park uh, that I'm going to do a little bit later that allows you to interact with the Galaxy's Edge. Um, I haven't really been to any place else. I went to Tomorrowland to ride Star Tours, which was sort of the same as Florida. Then I went to Space Mountain, which is actually called Hyperspace Mountain. And they sort of, it's the same ride, but they put Star Wars battles in it. And it was really, really fun. They had TIE fighters flying at you. They had lasers and explosions and stuff. It was really neat. Um, outside of that, I really haven't had a chance to experience Disneyland's uh, other parks. That's how big Galaxy's Edge is, you know. Um, I'm, you know, I went solo, so I'm basically able to do whatever I want whenever I feel like it, which is nice. Uh, but bringing, I mean, I see a ton of kids here, and the kids are just in awe. And like I said, it, it's magical here, and I gotta say, uh, I, I would definitely come back. This, this garners another visit uh, and I couldn't be uh, happier to have it. So I'll report back in. But this, again, this has been a pre-recorded message live uh, from Disneyland. Sean reporting in from Batu, Galaxy's Edge in California. So I arrived at Galaxy's Edge at around 10.30 a.m. after waiting in line for a hot minute at the Disneyland gates. And the first thing, as, you, as you're walking back to the land, you have to go through Fantasyland, and you have to get to near Adventureland. And then there's like three different entrances to get into Galaxy's Edge, and I just sort of picked one. And as you walk through the tunnel, uh, you move between lands, and all of a sudden you're just transformed into Galaxy's Edge, and standing right in front of you is just Star Wars. Everything Star Wars, down to the minuscule detail. I had people take my picture. Uh, I had, you know, just a great time exploring. I took a ton of photos. Doors would open up automatically. Uh, the droids, the droid depot was an amazing, an amazing experience. Uh, I'm just kind of flipping through pictures. Uh, the amount of detail within the park, but the things that just didn't move you know, amazed me of how much detail they ended up putting into this park. Uh, the first look at the Falcon, as you make the turn, you go up these steps heading towards uh, the biggest spire uh, near a transport that has these uh, what looks like kyber crystal uh, enclosures from Rogue One. And you come upon the Falcon and you just absolutely have no idea the scale of this ship and you're looking down on it. Uh, there's some Jedi stuff in Savvy's workshop or at least around Savvy's workshop. Uh, the whole, I mean, you can't see the other parts of Disneyland when you're in Black Spire Outpost. You, like, you can't see anything. Uh, the amount of pictures I took, I think I took about like 600 pictures. That's an exaggeration, more like 300. Uh, but it's still just a ton of photos and 360 
360-degree uh, panoramic stuff that just went down. Uh, there's the the other ships there. There is a Thai Epsilon fighter, which I believe was supposed to be in Colin Trevorrow's uh, Episode 9. Uh, there are resistance ships. There's detail on the walls in uh, Doc Ondor's uh, Antiquities shop where you can buy and purchase different cool little things. I mean, if you really wanted to, you could buy Palpatine's robe, you know, like a legit like $300 purchase. It's like fantastic. There's so many different things. You can you can uh, purchase a uh, either an Imperial or first, yeah, Imperial TIE fighter pilot's a uniform. You can purchase the necklace that uh, Anakin made Padme back in uh, the prequels. There are stuff from the Rebels shows with Admiral Thrawn. The Legacy Sabers looked amazing. You just buy Legacy Sabers there, you know, and they're really not that expensive. $130 for a Legacy Saber is nothing. Uh, that's, you know, you could buy Kylo Ren's Legacy Saber for $150. Like, that's no big deal. Uh, Ahsoka Tana uh, Tano's Sabers, that's no big deal either. You know, uh, Jedi Holocrons, Sith Holocrons, which come with a voice of someone that you don't really know until you pick it. Uh, Oga's Cantina was absolutely fantastic. Uh, just, you know, you know, every single time, you know, it kind of reminded me of walking into Mas Kanata's castle. Like, you just have all this atmosphere and the music, and it just hits you right in the throat, right in the face. And, you know, they only had, a, you know, the rule was there's a 45-minute uh, time limit. You know, you can only have a couple drinks. And I just sat there and just enjoyed. Uh, there was some first-order activity. That's really cool. You could buy Stormtrooper armor for only $6,000 if you really wanted to. Uh, the First Order stuff was really cool, like I said in the recording. Um, Savvy's Workshop was really neat. The Droid Depot, building the droid, was a great experience. I mean, I had a lot of fun, but I can't imagine kids doing it. This, it would be so, so good. Uh, I'm going to post a few pictures up on Instagram so you get an idea of what's going on. But one cool thing that Galaxy's Edge offers, actually, well, I guess Disney offers is, I was like, I don't really want to carry this droid around, because I got it at like 11 o'clock in the morning, and they're like, oh, we'll store it for you, no big deal, and I was like, that's absolutely awesome. Uh, the people there were fantastic, you know, they're, they're just always super nice, uh, ready to help you and kind of answer questions. Uh, the Millennium Falcon ride, as I said, not really impressed with it, but the entire atmosphere around the Millennium Falcon was just fantastic. I think I waited under an hour. I did have the blue milk in a giant canister, like a milk canister. I thought that was really cool. The uh, the Datapad game, uh, you could download on Disney Parks app. You could hack into things. You could play puzzle games. You could do little different uh, quests for the Resistance. You basically would sort of battle the First Order and take over different factions of the park. And in fact, that's kind of why I want to go back. I didn't even have a chance to go through the entire Datapad. A, my phone was dying. B, you know, there was just so much to do, so much to see. I, you know, I spent a good six, six to seven hours just in Galaxy's Edge by itself. So as the day went on, uh, you know, I did explore Disneyland a, a bit, but I, I made it back to my reservation to build a lightsaber. And that 30-minute experience was just absolutely wonderful. There was a storyline to it. I won't spoil it here. But there was a storyline, uh, there was, you know, the, all this force lore, uh, lights changed, 
And like I said, I, I wasn't concerned about, it was funny, because I wasn't concerned about myself. I was really like peeking at the kids, you know, with their parents and just how much they believed in this. And, you know, Disneyland and Star Wars, they put on a damn good show. And by the end of it, after you build the lightsaber and everybody fires up their, uh, their colors, you know, there was two guys to the right of me that chose uh, the red kyber crystal, and we all sort of judged them immediately. I talked to them afterwards. I thought it was funny. Uh, you know, you just get this bag. You just get a sense that, like, yes, I have a awesome lightsaber now. And heck, yes, it was expensive. It was $200 plus tax for this lightsaber. The droid was $100 plus tax. You know, food, drink, you know, you're, you're easily dropping $400 plus dollars in this day if you choose to do all the experiences i did because when am i ever going to get back there by myself solo on a mission uh the millennium falcon you know as you're waiting in the smuggler's run there's a point in time where you board the millennium falcon's uh common area and i'm just sort of scrolling through pictures like the hollow chest i can see the training helmet and the training droid in the background i didn't notice that the first time uh it's just actually it's pretty pretty darn cool but you would get into these teams it was it was really neat uh and then as you kind of make your way to the what they call the old outpost that's where the rise of the resistance ride is going to be and it's very jungle like it's very mysterious there's not much going on down there but i imagine that that's going to change well that probably did change as the rise of resistance is now open and they really pushed it far away from Black Spire Outpost itself. It's actually a good design because they didn't want to, I'm, I'm assuming they didn't want to put the, both rides really close together, but there's an A-Wing there, there's a Resistance X-Wing there, like with the blue flavor to it. Uh, just, just really, really fantastic. I mean, it looks old, but feels new. Of, you know, walking through the town there's different blinking lights there's different things happening you know the the cockpit of the millennium falcon the ride the technology behind it was really neat i just thought it was short you know and that's fine and that's totally fine uh we just took a ton of pictures and i mean unless you see it for yourself you'll never understand the glory of what is galaxy's edge and people really didn't mind me taking pictures they really loved it and i just fired away as much as I could. I found a Mandalorian jetpack uh, in one of the crates, so I thought that was cool. Uh, there's different wood carvings, just uh, just a ton of stuff to look at, and I highly recommend you go there. Check out my Instagram feed. I'm going to start posting Galaxy's Edge stuff to promote this episode, and honestly, it was one of the best experience my, what's one of the best solo experiences of my life you know of course having my daughter Kate is one of the best things ever but if I'm just talking about me and being selfish about it Galaxy's Edge is one of the best places I've ever been this series this uh, this world has brought me such joy and I'm so happy that Galaxy's Edge exists I am I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to you know, my daughter, you know, she's really into Star Wars in terms of, you know, I force it down the throat because we just watch it. And she's like, no, I don't want to watch it. But then she like she gets into it. 
you know, and she, she's starting to know the characters. She knows Darth Vader. She loves Rey. She loves BB-8. We're, you know, she's still young yet, so she doesn't really get it. But, you know, in a few years when we go to Galaxy's Edge, this is all going to make sense. You know, all this homework is going to make sense, and I'm so looking forward to bringing her there. But, hey, don't take my word for it. If you have the funds, if you have the, the adventure in you, go down to Disney World, travel to Disneyland, get to Galaxy's Edge, see it for yourself. You will not regret it. There's, I, I've talked to people who are not Star Wars fans that have been into the land, and they're like, wow, that's pretty damn impressive. And I'm like, yes, it is, and it should be, because Disney did it right. They spared no expense. Uh, they deserve everything. You know, the, the fans deserve this spot. And I know there's like Galaxy's Edge meetups, and it's just super, super cool to be there. Nighttime was even better. You know, I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put together my next project is I'm going to put together a recap video of my time there in Galaxy's Edge. And I hope you watch it, and I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you get a sense of, you know, what I was doing while in Galaxy's Edge. Thanks for listening to my Galaxy's Edge rant. Uh, highly recommend. Go check it out and enjoy the music as we outro into the final segment of episode four. Well, my friends, we make it to another ending of a podcast episode. This has been... Star Wars by the MRC Tech. We covered Jedi Fallen Order, the Clone Wars trailer, some news items, a random bonus segment of Undercover Boss with Kylo Ren, three episodes of Star Wars Resistance, and a lengthy-ish Galaxy's Edge report. And I appreciate you sticking with me as I take you through my headspace, as I take you into the unknown regions of the Star Wars galaxy, and I look forward to continuing to bring you this content for as long as I can. As long as there's Star Wars, you'll have this podcast. As always, if you can share the podcast, review the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, like the Instagram stuff, uh, leave a comment, message me, interact with me. I look forward to meeting you. I look forward to talking to you. If I say something that's incorrect, make it right. If I say something that's right that you thought was this way originally, let me know. I love having conversations about Star Wars. There's nothing more that I enjoy than talking about this world that has brought me so much joy in my life. Looking forward to episode five, but this has been episode four. And as they say in a galaxy far, far away, may the Force be with you. Star Wars by MRC Tech, created by Sean, found on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, can be streamed from mrctechllc.com. Follow Sean and MRC Tech on all the socials. Search out MRC Tech and you will surely find them. Catch all the exciting Star Wars action in a podcast form. But don't forget, MRC Tech also streams content like games and Lego builds and is also a tech specialist. Reach out if you ever need help. 
Music provided by Incompetech, the Baltic House Orchestra, Pandemics, and ChillHop.com. Copyrighted 2020. Cheers, and may the force be with you.